census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor being brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. You can find all the awesome shows on the Dorkening Podcast Network at the appropriately titled DorkeningPodcastNetwork.com website. And I am here not by myself. I am joined, as always, by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is... (gasps) The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Baroness of Bordeaux, almost missed that one, the, and I'm throwing myself off, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. Whoa. Do you know Kung Fu? I know I Kung, know Kung Fu. Fu. I actually did take Kung Fu for a while. I was so in, you actually do know Kung Fu. My Kung Fu Kung Fu is strong. Your Kung Fu is strong? Ugh, my sleep schedule <laughs> is not strong. I, say, I don't know Kung Fu, but I can wail my arms around in a very distressing <laughs> manner and scare people off. Yeah, so you look like Kermit the Frog having a freak out. Ah, it's, it's equally as effective, really. Yes, yes. Uh, Please get this crazy woman away from me. Oh, man, I hope everybody's doing well, and I hope my uh, yawning doesn't uh, break you out of your simulation. But uh, what have you been doing, Ashes? You drinking your tea, sitting there? Now, are you are you sure that tea is real? Is that real tea? This is, uh, it, it, it tastes like real tea. Is it a fantasy tea? <laughs> that's, that's just pushing it a little too much. Whatever. Is it reality? It is. There, there we go. go. There we go. Reality. Um, I mean, I'm hoping this tea is real because it's quite delicious. Yeah, we. Uh, this awkward conversation is brought to you by the fact that this week <laughs> we are going to be uh, talking about Thomas A. Anderson, better known as Neo. Uh, played by Keanu Reeves in the Matrix trilogy. <gasps> oh my god, I just got it. Yes, Neo is an anagram of one. Neo is the one. Yes. Neo is one. Just going to rearrange the letters a little bit. And they've been fighting against the machines for an eon. Whoa! Whoa. Uh, my mind yeah. just blown. Yeah, now you're going to wake up in a in a vat of goo and with tubes all the on goo! you. Not to be confused with the vacation goo from uh, American Dad. But no, we're going to be talking about, uh, because the new Matrix film comes out uh, a week from uh, today. Well, if you're listening to this on Thursday, a week from the day that we're recording this. So next Wednesday, the 22nd, uh, it drops in both theaters and on HBO Max. So if you are uh, not a fan of uh, Omicron Percy I-8 and you still want to see The Matrix... 
you'll get a chance or to see it. Or if you're just, you know, I mean, it drops right before Christmas. If you're in the process of, you know, wrapping a bunch of presents, doing a bunch of Christmassy stuff, uh, but you don't want to watch a Christmas movie while you do that, I mean, turn on The Matrix on HBO. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be awesome, and we've already learned through some of the trailers and whatnot that there's going to be a lot of uh, cyclical stuff going on. But uh, we have some interesting questions before we start talking about uh, Mr. Anderson. Right. So this was my first time visiting the green-hued, coated, androgynous goth club that is the Matrix. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, that's a pretty good way to describe I, it. Uh, I, I had a really good time overall. It was an interesting uh, trio of films, uh, enough to really pique my interest. I, I, I wasn't really interested in seeing the fourth one. Now I have to see the fourth one because I feel like it's going to... Although the story was, I mean, technically, the story was kind of completed after the first one. Sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Um, and then the Wachowskis decided to expand this universe a bit more and uh, introduce Reloaded and Revolutions. Yep. Um, Four all years within later. All the, the span of the same year, which I think is really Reloaded, ambitious. Revolutions, and The Animatrix all came out oh, in the same year. Oh, yeah. We will absolutely touch base on The Animatrix, too, because I really enjoyed that. Uh, all of the questions that I had watching The Matrix, because at the end, you were like, what kind of, what, do you, what, what questions do you have? And I was like, so many so many questions and and pretty much all the questions i i asked you were like that is answered in the animatrix so we ended up mm -hmm. watching watching that we started watching the second one and we stopped it so we could watch the animatrix yeah because i realized I, for some reason i because i haven't watched it in a very long time and i realized oh shit the final flight of the osiris which is part of the animatrix which i saw in theaters because they were playing they didn't if I remember correctly, they didn't release the Animatrix in theaters, but they released the final flight of the Osiris as like a trailer uh, before, I believe it was Dreamcatcher. It was either Dreamcatcher or The Core, because those were the two movies I was considering seeing, because uh, it was uh, April, and it was uh, before... Because the uh, Matrix Reloaded came out in May of 2003, uh, and it was the weekend of my birthday, so I went and, you know, I couldn't find anybody to go with me because nobody liked me back then, so I went uh... to the movies by myself. That's a really uh, for sad my birthday. story. That that for that, my birthday that is weekend. a really sad story. Yeah, so I uh, I like you. I know you do now, but that was that was like. 18 years ago um i would have invited you but you you would have been like 16 and that would have been weird uh, and slightly inappropriate at yes. that time yes yeah so um i went by myself and i saw i believe it was in front of Dreamcatcher, um because i was trying to decide what to see and there was a sign at showcase north in worcester that said Oh, Final Flight of the Osiris playing before this so i was like wow you know i'm a huge fan of the matrix which i saw in theaters uh, so yeah, because I saw the Matrix. I think it was like within a week or so of the Phantom Menace coming out. Oh, that that was a 
big week for movies. Yeah, then. yeah. So we uh, and actually with the same people, uh, my buddies Mike and Adam. So we saw we saw that, and then we saw the Matrix, um, and then I. I don't think I saw the second Matrix in the theater, but I did see the third. Uh, I saw it. I spent a lot. This was a day uh, in in 2003. It was Christmas. Uh, it was either Christmas Day or right right around there, within the, a couple of days of Christmas. Uh, and I went and I saw. This is a long ass day in the theaters because I went to two different theaters to do this. Uh, Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And. Then I went with my my youngest brother Dave, who was fourteen at the time. I brought him home, and then I went to the theater uh, in Millbury, the Elm Theater, and saw the third Matrix. So I was in the movies for like all fucking day that day, but it was awesome. So, and again, I was there by myself. So, uh, but yeah, David already seen Return of the King like six times. But like I hadn't of seen it yet. Of course he had, yes. So I was like, oh, I want to <laughs> see it. So went and saw it, and it was pretty awesome. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we talked about that before. But I digress. Uh, we had to we had to watch the Animatrix to kind of give you some ideas because it gives you the background. You know, through um, I forget the the name of the the segment. But it gives you the background on how the machines rose up. I was going to say the the world build, and we'll talk more about this during our actual discussion portion. But the the world building portion of of the Matrix and these films, I found really fascinating because it was fully flushed out. And you know, uh, I think knowing that people were going to have questions, they made this companion piece in order to shed some some light give you some backstory but the fact that they they knew all of this you know the wachowskis had everything mapped out as far as you know what this world is uh what the matrix is exactly and all of the philosophies and stuff around it 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 just it's really when you it's more than just a movie it really is like this. This is you know, especially the the, the Matrix itself. Um, you know, I wasn't too keen on the other two films, although I thought they were good. Uh, the second one I thought was the weakest of the three. Yeah, um, especially because of the shoddy CGI. Well, not only that, you know, the big dance orgy that just seemed really out of place when and if there's 250,000 machines just, coming to kill us yeah sweaty dance rave and i'll bet that uh, cave smelled amazing yeah <laughs> um but 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 yeah so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that during our uh, discussion after break but we do have a couple of getting into character questions for you yes. today so my first question is if you found out that this reality, the reality that you, the quote unquote reality that you were currently living in wasn't exactly what you thought it was, which pill would you take? Would you take the blue pill? Your story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe? Or would you take the red pill? You stay in Wonderland and you are shown how deep the rabbit hole goes. Well, I would, uh, it depends. Like, does my life continue the way it is right now? Because right now it's it's going fairly well. Like I got you, I got my movie jobs. 
Like, yeah, but, but that's not real. Right, but I wouldn't know that it wasn't real. I could just take the blue pill and wake in my bed and believe whatever I want to believe. You know, perception is reality. What you believe, you know, you know, we've we've seen this. Oh, we've seen this numerous times in politics. I was going to say we've seen this playing decades. out the last the last few years. Just believe something hard enough. It's like a child's wish, and that's if what reality believe. is. Um, but like in this case, it's. But again, you know, like the line Morpheus says, "Have you ever had a dream so real that you couldn't tell? You know, that you were sure you were awake. You know, if you couldn't wake up, how would you know the real world from the dream world? Like." You know, how do you know? You know, it's it's like, uh, we'll talk about this a little more. Jean Baudrillard says uh, in Simulacra and Simulation, you know, basically, how do you know what's real and what's not? How do you know you're not in, in a simulation? There's really no way to know. And we'll get into this a little more when we talk about Neo's uh, feats and powers, mm -hmm. uh, especially towards the end of the second film. But I would, being the type of person I am, I would probably want to know, like my curiosity would get the better of me and I would probably take the red pill. Same, same. So uh, this whole matrix idea really is a metaphor for ignorance is bliss. And we see that with the Cypher character in the first film. You know, he's trying to get back into the Matrix because he obviously took the red pill, got out of the Matrix, and realized that uh, this wasn't where he wanted to be. Reality is not what it was cracked up to be. Exactly. And, you know, he wanted to get back to that place where he was eating more than, or, or at least perceived to be eating more than just, you know, this mushy gushy slop looking stuff that they were consuming and big old bowl of snot you know <laughs> tasty wheat sleeping in a nice cushy bed and having a job that uh, it, seeing the sun or so you would think yeah you know uh, and 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 going back to this uh cushy reality that actually didn't exist yeah and I get it. You know, sometimes reality can be too much for people to handle. Again, like we were well, just I mean, talking like, about, people just make up their own realities. Reality bites, like yes. literally. I heard. Of, uh, I heard of that. <laughs> but I mean, it, it 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 sucks. But reality sucks. But you know what? It's real. Yes. It's real. But here's the thing. You know, uh, there were some people in the Matrix not having a great time either. They made the simulation so real, so real to the point where people thought they were actually living. Right. And, you know, then you wake up and, you know, realize, wow, like that place that I was living, that life that I was living, it wasn't real. It's not like the things I experienced, I didn't really experience them. You know, I didn't go kite surfing. I didn't, you know... You didn't marry the person you thought you married. I didn't you see that UFO. Didn't, you know, you you didn't get that job. You didn't, you know, paint that painting. You didn't you didn't live that life physically. You have been uh, a heap of pretty much a, a heap of atoms and cells and just fat in a vat of goo. Hop and atom. Yes. Um 
But yeah, it's 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 weird, you know. Although, like Cipher says, sometimes the real world, the Matrix, can be more real than the real world. You know, in the Matrix, in, you know, in the real world, he just pulls the plugs. But on in the in the Matrix, you have to watch Apoc die. Like, you know, it's there's a. a there are pros and cons to both. Like, especially once you've awoken, like, now once you awake, you can go into the Matrix and do whatever you want. Really. You know, and we see a little bit of this uh, here and there in uh, in the Animatrix uh, series. Right, but these people, they're going back into the Matrix with purpose. They're not just going to visit for fun. You know, right. they're they're waking people up to fight a, a greater task at hand. Right. They're and and knowing that, like knowing that, you know, you would wake up and be part of this greater cause, this cause that is so much greater than yourself, so much greater than the matrix, you know, that's what I you know, I, I would be I would be, you know, right in the resistance there. See, I would also consider the fact that you know knowing what i know uh obviously neo doesn't know this and you know people who take the red or blue pills don't know this at the time but at any moment your body can be usurped by a program an agent program and your existence is over like if you just happen to be walking near somebody like how about the guy whose phone gets stolen and he's like, what the shit? That guy stole my phone. All of a sudden, he's an agent. That guy is dead now. You know, so. Yeah, but that guy never really lived. Right, but he's still dead. Like, you know, your existence, you can suddenly get wiped out with no rhyme or reason. And, and now you're going to be fed intravenously to babies. Like, you're just going to be mulched up and liquefied. And fed intravenously, intravenously to everybody else. Do I get to eat a baby? No, the baby eats you. Oh, oh, but but can I can I eat a baby? I suppose if uh, a baby were to be dead, uh, it would be liquefied, and you could then consume it. Now, that brings me to a meme I saw earlier, uh, because this is the Christmas season. Uh, infant so tender and mild implies the existence of a chewy and spicy baby. <laughs> Who wants a baby? But you don't get that in the Matrix. All you get is, like when you're Chewy up, and spicy baby. No chewy spicy, just no chewy. liquid. <laughs> so I guess my, my next question is, you know, you you take the red pill, you have the ability to go in and out of the matrix, you have this ability to be hooked up to these computers and learn anything, all of the world's knowledge for the most part at, at your disposal. The remaining world's knowledge. You can learn in the drop of a hat, seconds, you know, that, that, that scene where, you know, Neo is being uh, having all of these different programs. He's learning all of these different combat training, martial arts programs, and stuff like that. You know, in the matter of seconds. You know, when he wakes up and he's like, oh, "I know kung fu." Show uh, me. You know, uh, which is a fantastic scene, by the way. 
And if you time it right, it links up with Carl Douglas's kung fu fighting. But my question is, what would be the first piece of knowledge that you would want downloaded into your into your brain? Um, probably some sort of uh, mechanical ability. You know, some sort of like engineering skills, because. No, I'm not, I'm not talking in like practical or anything like that. I'm talking like, what is something that you want to learn that maybe you don't know how to do? You haven't had the time to really, you know, properly uh, put yourself into. Oh, 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 not like yeah, no, no, I'm not, in the I'm Matrix. Not talking, I'm, I'm not talking like, you know, you can like, do you want like, I want to learn the perfect guacamole recipe. Oh, I thought you were talking about like, no, what would I'm you want to learn? In the, about, like, well, no, you like, said you took what, the mate, you took the red pill. You're in the matrix. Yeah, you, you're in the matrix. You're being, you know, you have the opportunity. Well, I don't care about to, guacamole in the matrix. If I'm in the, you, you have to word the question better. Okay, fine. If you could learn how to do anything oh, all right. in the style of being hooked up to a computer so in the matrix. So similarly to how they do it in the matrix, if yes. you could just jack in and. Yes, I'm not totally like, oh, well, at first I would want to use, like, I I would want to learn tactical combat training because of X, Y, Z. No, that's not fun. What's something that you've always wanted to learn that you haven't had the opportunity to, that if you had the ability to I would just learn learn languages. I would learn how to read, write, and understand as many languages as I possibly could. but, But what would be the first thing? Languages like I, well, well, what language? Like I don't know. Specific. I don't know. I would just start like he got all the martial arts buzzed into his brain. I would just start getting like I don't. know, You want to go alphabetical? Go by age? Go by its discovery by man? Like, like I what don't is care. One thing you've always wanted to learn how to do languages, like every oh language, every language. I like I. We've had this conversation before. Like, if you had three wishes from a genie, what would you want? And one of them would be to speak, read, write, and understand every language that's ever existed. So I don't have any specific order in which I would want to learn them, but I would want to know all of them. That's something that I would want plugged into my head. I would want to know every single language, read, write, understand, so I could travel all over the world, go to these different monuments, you know, Teotihuacan, you know, Chichen Itza, uh, 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 Puma Punku, like all these places, and be able to read the writing that's everywhere. Know what the hieroglyphs and the petroglyphs, know what all these different things, all these different symbols mean. That's what I would want to know. Like, there's no specific order in which I would want to learn them, but that's what I would want to learn. So that's where I'm going with that. How about you? I want to learn how to cross stitch. You want to do CrossFit? Cross stitch. I want to make those really fun little like things that have like like really pretty flowers on it that says like "fuck you, welcome to our home" or something like that. Listen, there's samplers. They're not called samplers. I think that's what they're called. They're not called samplers. I think that's what they're called. I think that's what they're called. Were you thinking correctly? Maybe that should be the first thing you you learn in the matrix. What is a sampler? What is it's it's a little cross stitch. It's called cross stitch. I'm, I, you know, that's that's fine for you. You can do cross stitch. Like, is that the only thing you'd want to learn? Is like, you and I want to make a doily. I want to learn how to crochet. <laughs> so you'd want to. I would make doilies in the matrix. All right. Well, somebody has to. 
You just can't put your cup down on the table. Well, I mean, you need a doily coaster. Well, everything they have is metal, so like it's not like a coaster would. Uh, um, it would make a difference. It would make all wood. the difference. They're they're uh, they're not. I'm trying to think of what it's called. I can't find they're it. They're not called samplers. I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to find out that they're called. You know what? I'm calling them samplers, so they're now called samplers. No, Download not. that into your matrix. <laughs> you wouldn't want to take, like, a winemaking course? Yeah, I mean, well, that, but that's not the first thing I would want to. I mean, that's one of the many things that I would want to do. I want to take a sommelier course. I want to become... An accredited sommelier, but that takes a, a lot of effort. You get a, I get a wine medal. Well, the guy, uh, uh, Peter Serafinowicz's character in John Wick, he gets a sommelier medal. You get medals for being a sommelier. You get Number like a, one sommelier. No, it's like, it's not like a... <laughs> Instead of sommelier spelt the way that it's supposed to be spelt, it's spelt sommelier. Yay! <laughs> yeah. You did it! It's a it's large, shiny, and normally worn with a silver chain or ribbon. It's called Tastevin. Tat Tatvan. It's a French word for taste wine. And that's what you use. It's a sommelier medallion. It's a sommelier. Yes. Sommelier. You did it. You drank the wine. <laughs> this is shallow metal cup is faceted with con, con faceted and convex so that when you're in lit candle cellar, you can judge the color and clarity of wine more easily than by holding up a glass. Yes. You see the little guy? in? The, I'm showing her pictures. It's a tatvan. Oh, I want a sommelier. It's a sommelier medal. It's like the ones you get for, like, if you go on to, like, Facebook, you can complete, like, the virtual races, and they'll send you, like, medals and stuff. It's the same thing, except... It's a, it's a wine necklace. It's a wine necklace to help you judge. It's a pretty little wine necklace. Yes. So, yes. Sommelier. Yes. I did it. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's something like, you know, I would I would love to know a lot of things. I would love to know languages. You know, there are, are so many things. You know, I would love to know kung fu just for you know, to, to know it, be like, Hey, I can do that too. I mean, I may know, I may physically not be able to do it, but I mean, I would know how to do it, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would want to, I would want to cross stitch. Do cross stitch. Make pretty little doilies for the, uh, for the matrix. It's like, if there's a little doily, like, Oh, the doily is screwing up our EMP. I can't hit the button cause the doily's caught in it. Gonna, and then you get eaten by cross stitch you a mouse pad. Yeah, you could do that. You could. I don't, I don't know how effective it would be because the mouse would kind of like be bumping over it the whole time. It's very effective. Yes. Yeah, it's effective at making you not use your mouse. So, for you folks at home, what are some skills or, or abilities you would want to learn? And would you take the red pill or the blue pill? What would you decide? Let us know, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play the trailer for the original Matrix, because it's amazing, and we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method. 
that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkning Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. are back you know what i have to say the simulacrum is never that which conceals the truth it is the truth that conceals there is none the simulacrum simulacrum is true that's what i wanted to say that's how we're going to start that because you know what i i i have to say that as the matrix films progressed especially the second one with the architect they got 
super, super pretentious. Like, that guy's speech, it's like you're at a party and, like, he's the smartest guy in the room and he's going to let you know that he's the smartest guy in the room. He's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I just want to get to the, the, the cheese fries that are behind you there. So let me let me, let me me get to the cheese fries. So we're obviously discussing today Keanu Reeves' portrayal of Thomas A. Anderson, also known as Neo his hacker alias in 1999's the matrix which uh revolutionized the way some movies were shot and uh as we see the uh crane kick that trinity performs at the beginning shot in bullet time no i'm sorry bullet time was later on but the uh the the amazing camera work that they did that the wachowskis came up with um obviously we saw that imitated many many times and trinity herself does the same kick in every single film to varying degrees of success uh this also introduced like i said bullet time which is when neo is dodging the bullets uh the way that was shot which was phenomenal uh does a lot of cgi and green screen work obviously because with this you kind of had to a lot of wire work as well uh and again, you know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about films that have a lot of CGI and people are like, well, you know, it was the early 2000s. CGI didn't look that great. Look at The Matrix. You know, and again, as we will always point out, Terminator 2 came out in 1991. Jurassic Park came out in 1993. The Matrix came out in 1999. And granted, if you watch some of like the higher definition stuff on some of the uh, newer TVs, it can, as with all films really exacerbate any uh, any issues that you might have with the CGI if the CGI is not perfect um, it really stands out more on like a higher definition cut like it's like oh it's an 8k ultra HD cut and it's like ooh that looks awful um, this I think the first matrix really holds up so ashes like you mentioned you just saw this for the first time uh, over the last few days, we watched the entire trilogy plus um, plus the Animatrix. Um, I will say, you know, based on your description of uh, the Matrix, I was a little disappointed that there was no role for Tilda Swinton. Because if you're talking androgynous, who better to play an androgynous character than Tilda Swinton? Well... Let's chat about that for a moment. Yes, so, let's do. Um, I want to talk about the world building. The Wachowski siblings did an amazing job creating a plausible and fully realized world. Uh, what they did was um, they created a set of rules and they stuck to those rules which really helps facilitate the suspension of disbelief. And, you know, myself being a science enthusiast, I really appreciate it when people do their homework, whether it be to help facilitate a real-life situation or to take real science and kind of manipulate it into something that could be. So, you know, in this world, there was this, you know, huge uprising of the machines, uh, you know, something that we've seen played out numerous times. 
over the course of the years, the machines won and eventually enslaved humans to provide that almost like be their battery. You know, humans were grown, humans were cultivated and kept as living batteries for this these machines. And that's one of the biggest flaws that people have with this. Like, oh, you know, the energy it would take to keep a human alive well, and, and that's is just greater. It. It, it takes more energy. Like, humans consume more energy than they actually uh, exert. exert. And um, that's why, you know, it's easy to eat. It's not so easy to lose weight. You know, right. it's... Uh, we need it takes a lot of effort to keep a human alive right know? it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, be efficient but for the sake of this right, film but but again like i said you know they create this set of rules they create this world and they continue to follow those rules nothing changes to 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 you know drive the story they had everything that's why i really appreciated the animatrix some stories i liked better than others but mm. you know it really uh shed some light on this world that they built so they had everything figured out before they even wrote the, the actual script for the matrix you know they knew exactly what the the matrix was going to be and they knew what type of issues these character these characters were going to come up against um i also want to point out that uh, storytelling also has political undertones of gender nonconformity and challenge the concept of ignorance is bliss, which we talked about the whole ignorance is bliss thing in our getting into character portion. You know, a lot of people walk through this world with privilege, turning a blind eye to the suffering and misfortunes of others because they have the privilege to do so and thusly creating uh, a rather blissful existence for themselves while ignoring everything else that's going on around them. And knowing what we know now about the Wachowski sisters, both Lana and Lily have... Uh, they're both trans and they both have um, gone through the transformation of, of gender transition between transition. That, that is, that is a word. That is the word I was looking for. Uh, they have transitioned uh, between the first matrix film and obviously now there are a lot of underlying quarrels with gender in this. And so some of it is not so, um, open as others like some some things some you really have to kind of be looking for and some things are just really out in the open you just have to be paying attention to see it uh one being the character of switch mm -hmm. was actually supposed to be one gender in the matrix and another gender in reality yes i had heard of that hence the name and yeah hence the name and it was almost supposed to be like a metaphor for what they were going through in their personal lives correct presenting as one gender uh living as one gender while actually being a different gender um there are in the way that a lot of these characters are presented like trinity she's a very androgynous character yes yeah I, and i think that um, for a lot of these, for a lot of these characters, you know, because like 
when Neo is being interrogated by Agent Smith for the first time, you know, they're li- you know he, he even says like it seems you're living two lives well and that's just it you know living a life that you think that you're living while living a different life completely what you portray to the world and who you are to be true to yourself are two different uh people essentially is what the whole gist of the matrix well, is and and, and the, the the theme of you know free your mind like to quote in vogue, free your mind and the rest will follow. Yes. You know, it's up to you. Free will and choice and the freeing of one's mind, opening one's mind to the, the different abilities and possibilities that are out there. All metaphors for gender nonconformity. Right. Like, do you have free will? Are you destined to be this way? Or are you, do you get to choose? Like, everything in the Matrix comes down to choice and control and fighting against that control choosing the life that you want to kind of fight against what you seem to be predestined to do and neo is a great example of that because we see at the very end like why do you fight why do you continue why do you persist and he says because i choose to mm-hmm um, well, not only that, you know, a character realizing their full potential and coming to terms with what their full potential is. And that's Neo. And it's not just that. It's also, you know, as we see in the second film in what's called the Burly Man Brawl, which is the Neo versus a million Smiths uh, in Matrix Reloaded. There's a lot of talk about purpose, that without purpose, why are we here? And for most of the characters, you know, every single one of them serves a purpose. It's almost like you can make the argument that every single one of them is fated to do what they're supposed to do. Like Neo's choice when he confronts, he's confronted by the architect or he confronts the architect, really, because they do a lot of shit to make sure that they get right to him um everything that has happened prior to you know because neo finds out that there have been that this scenario has played out five times already he's not special he's the result of an unbalanced equation however as we find out from the oracle who is her purpose is to unbalance the equation thus facilitating Uh, the emergence of the one she kind of coerces people into you know like they say she tells you exactly what you need to hear she tells trinity that trinity will fall in love with the one which she does you know that doesn't mean neo's going to fall in love with her back because as we see with cypher cypher says that for a long time he was in love with her, but she didn't love him back. So there's no guarantee that Neo will love her back, but he does. And as a result, he goes against rationality when presented with what you're supposed to do, the function of the One, is to allow the machines to destroy Zion, wipe out all of the freed minds, and... Select 
23 people, 16 female, 7 male, to become the new progenitors of the human race and repopulate and let this go on again. However, if Neo chooses not to do this, which he does because, as the architect says to him, where your predecessors have felt this connection in a very general sense, you know, a connection to the human race, like, well, you know, I can let everyone die or I could let almost everyone die and ensure the survival of the human race. You always, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So if you can prolong survival, Neo in instead finds this attachment specific to Trinity. And as a result, goes against logic and against rationality and chooses love. And as a result, causes a catastrophic change in how the Matrix is supposed to work. But was that really his choice to begin with? Because everything that happened was set up prior to him awakening from the Matrix. Morpheus is told he will find the one. Trinity is told she will fall in love and the man that she falls in love with will be the one. So even before anybody even meets Neo, his destiny is already preset. Even though he himself says he does not believe in fate because he doesn't like the idea that he's not in control. So even going against what he's supposed to do, he is still being controlled. It's almost like a fucking uh, time travel loop. Well, you know, it's funny that there's a lot of philosophies at play here. And at the director's request, the actors and actresses were able, uh, so that the actors and actresses were able to understand and explain The Matrix, not only as a film, but as a philosophy, uh, they had them read three different books. Simulacra and Simulation was required reading for most of the principal cast and crew. Keanu Reeves stated that the Wachowskis had him read uh, Simulacra and Simulation out of control and evolutionary psychology even before he opened the script. Eventually, he was able to explain all the philosophical nuances involved. Yes, and these are not light reading, and there's a lot of... I don't want to say convolution, but like a lot of confusing stuff. Like we just talked about, like the opening uh, quote for this segment that I said. Um, they asked the the author, uh, Baudrillard, they asked him to kind of consult on uh, the second and third film, and he declined because... The Matrix didn't quite live up to the message he was trying to put out in the book, or at least the, the second and, and mm -hmm. third films. Uh, he's even quoted as saying, The Matrix is surely the kind of film about The Matrix that The Matrix would have been able to produce. So basically, you don't know what's real and what's not is the bare bones um, you know, kind of message that you get. Because like we said we see Neo doing these amazing things and it's because he is told 
by Morpheus that once you're inside the Matrix, you are no longer bound by the rules of your physical form. Like, you know, when they're fighting, mm-hmm. he's like, how did I beat you? And he's like, you're too fast. And he's like, you know, do you really think my being faster or stronger has anything to do with my muscles here? So it's not your physical body. It's your mental projection. What are you capable of doing? Like you said, free your mind. You know, free your mind, free your body, l- allow yourself to live up to your full potential and we see Neo slowly doing these things. You know, at the end of the first film, we see him flying, you know. You know, that's not something that you would normally be able to do, but he realizes that he can uh, even overcome death. You know, that that one line, because there's a lot of, you know, rewatching it, you know, if you go back and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing, like when he meets uh, Troy, and gives him the uh, whatever illegal computer program he's got, which he keeps hidden in Simulacra and Simulation. He's like, it sounds to me like you just need to unplug, man. And then talking later to his to his boss at Metacortex, the boss says, you think that you are special, that the rules somehow do not apply to you. Rewatching that, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what he's going to find out. Well, I mean, and he's not... Uh, so Thomas Anderson, Mr. Anderson, he's not a stupid person to begin with. From a very young age, he's shown... Um, he's had a high AQ and an aptitude for, for learning. So, uh, and, and something that I found interesting, so we're just gonna kind of start at the beginning, which is a very good place to start. Mm. Uh, so he was born in lower downtown capital city, USA, on March 11th, 1962, according to his criminal record, or September 13th, 1971, according to his passport, both seen in the film. So right away, he is a glitch in the matrix. Right, he's either 37 or 28. Which, I mean, I, I think 28 is more believable uh, because he's he's very young presenting. Um, but, I mean, Keanu Reeves That's is still... That's about how I was old say, he Keanu was at Reeves that point. Reeves is still rather young presenting, well, so... Like, that, was, that was 20 years ago. He was in his, what, early 30s because he's, what, 56 now? Yeah, yeah, I think he's like 56. So he would have been closer to the 37. So 66 is closer to where he should be. Right. But, you know, uh, but anyways, like he's already presenting as a glitch in the Matrix. uh, But, you know, because he doesn't really. It goes unnoticed. We'll put it that way. Because he doesn't know that he's. He may have also falsified his identity. I mean, that's true, too. But. you know, I, I like to think of it as he's already a glitch in the matrix, so thus uh, kind of uh, foreshadowing his... September uh, 2nd, 1964. Foreshadowing his coming into being the one and his abilities and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, went through high school and stuff. He excelled in science, math, and computer courses and displayed an aptitude for literature and history. Although he had disciplinary troubles when he was 13 to 14 years old, Mr. Anderson went on to become a respected member of the school community through his involvement in football and hockey. So he was just kind of like your average American kid gets into trouble a little bit, but really, really smart. 
Um, you know, uh, nothing, nothing really unremarkable about him. You know what I mean? Like, but nothing really remarkable about him at the same time. Um, so in his normal life, you know, at the beginning of the, the first film, he is a quiet programmer for the respectable software company Metacortex. While in his private life, he is a computer hacker who penetrates computer systems illicitly and steals information under his hacker alias Neo. He also sells illegal, untraceable computer systems and hacking programs along with controlling computer viruses stashed on CDs and diskettes. Remember those kids? Uh, during his time as a hacker, Mr. Anderson learned about something known only as the Matrix. So he knew that the Matrix existed. He knew that it was something, but he didn't know what it was. And he was trying to find it. Yes. Uh, and he only knew of it as an abstract construct. And, you know, we see uh, on his computer screen when he's... Um, you know, we were first introduced to him while he's sleeping and we see the random search running on his computer. You know, Morpheus evades authorities at Heathrow Airport, you know, and we later hear um, Smith refer to him as the most dangerous man alive. So, you know, Morpheus is doing his best to find Neo. So do you think that Neo was more receptive to the idea of the Matrix and the the coding and everything that's involved because of his backstory? No, I think it's one of those causality loops where, you know, he gravitated towards that because of who he is, which then made him easier to find. Like the, why is the sky blue because it reflects the ocean? Why is the ocean blue because it reflects the sky? Sort of. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, and then that, you know, obviously he is introduced to Morpheus and Trinity and, and thus the events of the Matrix takes place. Now, do you think you would have been as receptive as he was if you were in his situation? If I had been if I had spent as much of my time, like if I'm, if I'm me, like who I am now and I get approached, uh, well, I wouldn't be approached because I don't have a criminal record. I am not guilty of virtually every computer crime that there is a law for. Uh, but, uh, if I'm me, I don't know much about computers. I don't know what the matrix is, but if I had heard of it, I would probably be very, very curious. And if I was told, you know, you can take one of these two pills. If you take the red pill, you'll learn what the matrix is. Again, like we talked about at the beginning, knowing my inquisitive nature, my desire to always learn, I probably would take the red pill as well. Um, but I would probably be one of those characters like, you know, Switch or APOC uh, because I don't have this, you know, hardcore background in, uh, in uh, you know, computers and, and coding and whatnot. So speaking of inquisitive nature, fun fact, in the first 45 minutes of the first film, The Matrix, Neo has 80 lines. 44 of these lines are questions averaging at roughly one question per minute. Yeah. I mean, and some of those questions are, 
Jesus Christ, that thing's real? Or, well, I mean, you know, he's being tracked by Mr. Smith. You know, he gets a call from Morpheus, and he's trying to figure out exactly what the hell is going on, what he should be doing. Um, is led to this window ledge where he could either uh, now. Do you think he would have fallen to his death? If he continued, probably. Do you think he made the right choice of giving himself up to Mr. Smith? What does Morpheus say in the second film that I say all the time? What happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way. Everything that happened, everything, every option he was given, every choice that he had presented to him was another form of control doesn't matter who was controlling him someone was always in control of the choices he was making someone was always giving him like the choice of uh the red or blue pill well that's the only way you could wake up from the matrix you know or accept the programming um those were literally tracer programs that allowed them to find where he was in the power plant and knowing that they would, uh, once he woke up, he was no longer attached to the matrix, therefore of no use to the machine. So he was jettisoned down the toilet tube and tossed into the, the, whatever that was, the body of water at the end, probably a sewer. Um, although that, it's probably not the sewer. You know what it probably is? It's probably like a waste treatment plant because it was all in the water. And that's where the dead get tossed. And then, you know, probably uh, on a cyclical time, um, liquefied. You know, because you're not just going to grind somebody up, you know, like you're going to need them to kind of sluice through a grate or something and get chopped up. I will say this, backtracking a little bit, um, I really enjoyed the scenes from Neo's, uh, kind of like his transformation from out of, like, his journey out of the Matrix. Oh, like that you know, whole... When he, well, like, he, when he wakes up and he's connected to all of these tubes and wires and he's, you know, in this just oversized tub of gelatinous goo and it's essentially amniotic fluid you know wakes up and disconnects himself and he's uh very soft looking and very bald and completely hairless like just because he probably can't grow hair there's probably like some sort of like electrolysis going on inside the goo well yeah exactly well that's how they're harvesting the energy and then you have you know like he doesn't disconnect like the machines realize that he is now awake so they disconnect him so thomas a anderson inside the matrix is now dead he probably like was found dead in his bed because as soon as they unplugged him his avatar Mm -hmm. is gone but when they hack in He's now Neo, both in and out of the Matrix. Just with a cooler wardrobe. Right, and it's like uh, Morpheus says, it's called residual self-image. So basically, like you were saying with with Switch, um, how you perceived yourself in the digital world. 
might not be exactly what you look because it's not what he looked like. You know, he had, you know, his hair buzzed down and, you know, he had like a little bit of stubble. And But what I was getting at, though, was I, I liked how they paid attention to the fact that uh, there's a scene where he it almost looks like really intense acupuncture. And what they were trying to do was stimulate his muscles because his muscles muscles were completely atrophied, and which is exactly what would happen if you had never used your muscles like a day. you wouldn't have any. Like if you right. had never used your muscles a day in your life, you know, and and you know uh, him seeing you know using his eyes for Why the do first my eyes time. Hurt? Because you've never used them. Like those are a lot of his questions. Am I dead? Why do my eyes hurt? You know, like what are you doing? You know, because, you know, things that you thought you were doing, you had never done before. I'm surprised he was able to speak. Uh, yeah, to be completely honest with you. Like, because he had that tube down his throat for his entire life. Like, he should have been, like, way raspier. Or his vocal cords probably could have uh, uh, atrophied, you know. Right, if you never use them, if you never learn to speak, how do you know how to talk? Well, I mean, it's implanted in your brain. Like, you know, you've been doing it virtually. But, I mean, but again, like, you've been doing it virtually. The muscle memory isn't there. Well, I mean, if I if I recall, I mean, I may be wrong, but, like, blind people can see dreams and deaf people can hear things in their dreams. You know, so if it's hardwired into your cortex, the organs may not work. But it's hardwired into your cortex, like you're able to, like you know how to do it. You know, you're just not able to. It's like people who have, you know, very traumatic injuries and have to teach themselves to walk all over again. Like they still know how to do it. They just need their appendages to relearn. Like that knowledge is in your head because it's like an innate thing. I also enjoyed how this character was really a metaphor for believing in oneself. It, there's a lot of faith and a lot of um, I'm trying to think of the word I wanted. you know like like you're saying like it's it's self-confidence, it's you know have faith in what I'm teaching you but well, exactly. also believe like, in yourself learning abilities and having confidence that you know those abilities you know the moment that I mean and you see Neo progress especially you know in the in the first film as far as coming into his abilities and that moment where he's able to stop the bullets that moment where he's able to uh, fight off prior to that when he first inst uh when trinity goes into the matrix and smith shoots the phone and instead of running away he turns and faces him and she says what is he doing he's beginning to believe that's where he started it mm -hmm. um and well, then what i say like when you 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 physically see it when he you know it's almost like he's he believes finally believes in himself and he's opening his mind up to all of these different possibilities that i can do this i can do i have well, the ability to do this at that point he had just come back to life like well yeah right. i mean there's that <laughs> so too like that he died. Sort of, you know it's it's almost like in uh the the harry potter book where he does the patronus and he knows he can do it, 
because he's already seen himself do it. That's why he believed. So it's like, oh, I did this monumental thing. And even, you know, that plays back into what Morpheus said to him. You know, he's like, what are you saying? That I can stop bullets? No, Neo. I'm saying that when you're ready, you won't have to. No, I can dodge bullets. It's like when you're ready, you won't have to. And he didn't. And he did, like, stuff that he was doing by reflex when he faced the agent and he they did bullet time when he's you know dodging the bullets and they're doing like that 180 or 270 degree rotation around him as the bullets are zipping by and you see the trail that the bullet leaves like you know, if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball <laughs> yeah. he uh he's dodging around that and trinity is like how'd you do that and he's like do what like She's like, you moved the way that the machines move, the way that the agents move. Like, I've never seen anyone move that fast. And he was just like, oh, it wasn't fast enough. It's like, take the goddamn compliment, Neo. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, Neo is just like Keanu Reeves in that sense. Keanu cannot take a goddamn compliment. He just, like, deflects You're it off to somebody else. You're breathtaking. <laughs> you know, like, it's one of those, um, it's one of those situations where he is... It's part, like, belief, and it's part, like, he's acting on instinct. And as he acts on instinct and realizes he has more control over these things... You know, it's like a lot of the stories we see in comic books where mutants discover their powers. Like, uh, I, they didn't do a great job of it, but in The New Mutants, uh, the guy played by the kid from Stranger Things, Cannonball, Sam Guthrie, his mutant powers were triggered by... Uh, a mind collapse and when the mind collapsed his instinct took over and his powers activated and he was able to fly out because that's his powers and he, he flies and creates a force field he was able to blast out and escape he didn't know he could do that until he did it but oh. then he has to hone those skills and learn how to control it right and then come to find out Neo is able to take those skills out of the Matrix mm -hmm. and use them to a certain extent in what is perceived as the real world. Right. Right. Or is it the real world? Is it just like another version of the Matrix? And that's and that's the other thing is, you know, like uh, Baudelaire says, you know, it's the Matrix uh, and uh because of what the Matrix is, uh, being based on simulacra and simulation, uh, simulacra and simulation, uh, according to Wikipedia, is most known for its discussion of symbols, signs, and how they rate to contemporaneity. 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 I've never seen this word before. Uh, but what that means is simultaneous existences. You are simultaneously living in the Matrix, but you are also in the goo simultaneous that's a really great word contemporaneity um you know let's say like spontaneity you know uh Baudrillard claims that our current society has replaced all reality and meaning with symbols and signs and that human experience is a simulation of reality which is 
it makes sense because if you look around, you know, everything had like a greenish tint to it and everything had a uh, specific, like the room that the, the Oracle lived in. The apartment number was 101, which is binary code, ones and zeros. You know, like there's a lot of that type of thing, you know, Trinity, you know. Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity. There was three of them. You know, like, Neo is the one. Morpheus is, uh, if I remember correctly, like, the Greek spirit of dreams or, or something like that, you know? So there's a lot of this symb- symbology and symbolism and, you know, a lot of uh, specific terminology that's used regarding, like, being awake or awakening, you know, and dreaming and you know, how does Neo exist in the Matrix without being jacked into the Matrix? How does Neo stop five Sentinels outside of the Matrix? What if the real world is just a simulation within a simulation, you know, like an Inception type thing? How would you know? There's no way to know. And Morpheus tells us that in the first film, you know, you know, if you know the whole thing about you know, have you ever had a dream that you were so sure is real? If what if you were unable to wake up? How would you tell the difference between the dream world and the real world? You know, what if it's just like another layer? You know, Neo's top is still spinning. Might wobble a little, but the top is still spinning. So Neo has this ability to. So 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 let's just, for argument's sake, say that the Matrix is the Matrix. That's that's the simulation, and uh, reality is reality. Reality is 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 with the machines. Mm-hmm. So Neo has this ability to use the powers and abilities that he has in the Matrix outside of the Matrix. And he has this ability to freely, without being connected the way other people have to be connected uh, via, you know, uh, tubes and insertions and whatnot, uh, to freely flow between the Matrix and reality. Um and those skills are honed even more in the third film when he's blinded. Yep. But still able to see. He's able to see people because, all right, so it's an extension of the ability he has at the end of the original film where he is able to see past the illusions and see the code of the Matrix. He is able to see the the light or the true form of each uh, individual entity, we'll call it, because we see Bane, who's been overwritten by Smith, you know, because Neo's not the only one who can exist simultaneously in and out of the Matrix. Smith somehow is able to in- interact in the real world by possessing Bane. Like, that's kind of weird. Um, well, I mean, and then uh, Mr. Smith is a whole different thing, too. Agent Smith. Agent Smith, because he becomes a virus. Because of what happens with Neo. Neo literally enters him and explodes him from within. And I think part of Neo got copied and overwrote Smith. So Smith then became the opposite, uh, again, like you said, like a virus, but the opposite of Neo. And the virus of Agent Smith threatened the entire 
threatened everyone, threatened the, the entire operation, including the machines. Yes, because if he, again, what happens with agents, like we talked about earlier, agents can take over anyone who is still hardwired to the Matrix. So everyone who is still in the power plant can become an agent. So, by taking over everyone, an entire crop of humans could be lost. And as we saw, we don't know how far his reach went. It was at least whatever that city was supposed to be, which I believe was supposed to be like Chicago. I believe it was supposed to be uh, Chicago was the, the city where the original Matrix took place, although it was filmed in South Africa. I, yes, I believe so. And you can tell it wasn't filmed in Chicago because in the elevator scene, when they had that huge fight in the lobby um, before they try to rescue Morpheus, the elevator has a sign that's like, if, you know, during fire, use stairs, don't take the lift. And we don't call it a lift. We call it an elevator. Um, but the whole thing revolves around the agents being able to go in and out. But now that he's freed, he's no longer, that's the thing. Like we find out, you know, the whole, the whole uh, premise around purpose. If you don't have a purpose, you are useless. Smith rebelled against his purpose, against his programming, because as a uh, program without a purpose, he was supposed to report for deletion. Well, he didn't want to do that. And he's not the only one, which we see. We see uh, Sati, uh, uh, the daughter of Ramakandra. Um, we see her. She is a program that has no purpose, and she was supposed to be deleted. We see her making it, uh, making it into the Matrix and going under the care of the Oracle, uh, as opposed to getting destroyed. But we see almost... Ramakandra is doing similarly to what uh, Neo is doing, rebelling against his purpose, against his programming. Yes. And escaping the Matrix. Um, so it's it's interesting that way, you know, like every single system has to do its job without it. Like they make the train man late. Making the train man late sets up a whole series of events which then leads to the takedown of the Merovingian. Um, it, again, this is one of those things where there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecy type stuff. Um, it's, it, you can drive yourself crazy thinking about it. Again, it's, it's a lot like a time travel paradox where it's, you know, again, we see it well, in the first movie. We, like, if even... I hadn't said anything, would you still have knocked the vase over? Yes. You know, again, that's another a form of choice, a form of control. You know, uh, it's it's so weird. But what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I was going to say, we didn't even talk about the the end of the third film where Neo pretty much makes a deal with the machines. And sacrifices himself for the good of Sacrifices himself for the greater good of everything. However, I don't think... And we're going to get into a little bit of predictions for the next movie, too, because I don't think he's dead. I think he's not dead because 
We never see his light get extinguished. He is still uh, very brilliant. Because when we see the machine city and we see it from the point of view of uh, Neo, he sees everything as pinpoints of light. The brighter the light, the more energy, the more life something has. When he is taken away on like that flatbed octopus motherfucker... His light never extinguishes. I think he's still alive, but he's probably in a catatonic state. And I think they were able to reinsert him into the Matrix. Well, I think they did the same thing with Trinity. I don't yes. think she actually died. She was severely injured, but I think that they were able to save her and reinserted her back into the Matrix as well. And they kept them away from each other, which is why they keep, when they meet each other, they have these. You know, in the trailers, they have these, like, I think I know you, I think I remember you, but Neo is far more powerful because we see him, like, blasting energy waves at helicopters and shit. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's turning kind of, into Akira. To kind of backpedal a, a little bit, you know, the reason why he makes this deal with the machines is because he truly believes that he is the only one strong enough to defeat Agent Smith in his entirety, to to fully defeat Agent Smith, which he's he's correct, and he battles like eighty of them. Well, in the end, he only fights the one, the one that had taken over the Matrix. I mean, I'm sorry, the the Oracle, because that's what he says. He goes, "I've already seen it, and we know that I'm the one who beats you. So I'm just gonna sit back." The rest of me is just going to sit back and enjoy the show. You and I are going to fight one-on-one. He fights the 80 in or more in the Burly Man brawl in part two. Right, right. But yeah, but like, yeah, like you said, at the very end, it's just it's just a one-on-one. When they play Neo Dameron, which you will hear uh, in the second break. But he is the he is the only one strong enough to defeat this virus that is threatening both worlds at this point right smith is a danger to both the machine world and uh the human world because if you wipe out one the other can't live like that whole scene where he's down in the catacombs like the the depths of the uh of zion talking to the councilman or whatever you know he's you know they're saying like you know it's a symbiotic relationship it always has been you know so we talk about the matrix you know the humans powering you know the the machine world and the machines keeping them alive in order to keep you know the machine world running and then we see that there's uh you know the the people of zion need machines as well you know be it the apu or the toilets or the air scrubbers that keep the air clean or the water reclaimers that you know purify the and recycle the water each group is dependent on the other. So. <laughs> Last you. Sorry, that's cause and effect. I got dust up my nose, and now I must sneeze. <laughs> you, you must have Sneeze. <laughs> I was being uh, the Merovingian doing a, a terrible French accent. Oh, his, his French accent was good. Mine was sneeze. So, not so good. Um. But yeah, I, I think that this character is really 
Interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of parallels to religion. And like we said earlier, faith, uh, you know, maybe this character should be called John Wick Christ Superstar <laughs> versus Constantine. Uh, you know, the whole sacrificing oneself for the He's for Spock. the betterment of the He's greater Spock. good and uh, apparently is resurrected so I, we'll we'll see but overall i really enjoyed my time with the matrix I, I i think this is a series i will definitely be revisiting at some point very interested in seeing the fourth one but uh looking at each film individually the original 99 matrix is leaps and bounds better than the other two yeah um i think it's because it tried to build on the mythology and give you all the answers which it does do to be fair it does do but it also it simultaneously gives you all the answers but also leaves the explanations open-ended enough so that you know 22 years later we're still discussing what was going on like is neo really free are any of them free do they have free say, will it is an excellent sci-fi film oh yeah absolutely the way that it you know balances real science with the fiction that it creates but and, and, and like i said you know creates this world that is is completely plausible like i had a really fun time going along for for the ride and it was it was funny because you know watching it and stuff i'm asking these questions and they're explaining a little bit and you're like this isn't almost like you're kind of like afraid you're like you know just keep in mind that this isn't real life and i was like no 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 i'm i'm enjoying this ride like i'm appreciating the fact that they are like i said creating a set of rules and following those rules to a t like i i was having i had a lot of fun learning about the world that the wachowskis built yeah like there was there's just so much and you know like you were saying i didn't think of it as uh, a metaphor for you know their their transition well, from the Wachowski brothers to the Wachowski siblings well again like uh, you know seeing it back when it you know in, in 99 in 2003 I don't know exactly when their transition journey started after but, 2003 but you know I, I, I wouldn't expect people to know it then because how would you? But that you know, is. But you know, hindsight, knowing what we know now, knowing what we know about their journeys, and that they went on this journey, you know, and they almost went on. They they went on it together. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. You know, the Wachowski siblings. You know, they wrote these films together. They directed these films together. Uh, the fourth one is written and directed by only Lana. And the reason for that is uh, the way. Lily viewed it is this was a time in her life where, you know, things were in upheaval and, um, you know, she didn't want to dwell on the past. She wants to focus on the present and the future and, you know, how things are going to be going forward as opposed to going back to a time in her life that maybe wasn't the best for her mentally like they had worked on a ton of films all at once back to back to back and a tv show as well and 
they were in the midst of transitioning or you know starting their transition so there was a lot going on and it was a very stressful uh mentally and emotionally and physically draining time and she simply did not have the desire to come back and visit this again which you know is is for her own mental health right no and that's completely understandable uh watching some of the interviews that keanu reeves and carrie ann moss have been doing you know uh in anticipation of this film, both of them had similar reactions when they received the call from Lana. You know, uh, the eagerness, eagerness to know where where is this story going to go? You know, because, I mean, they thought it was finished after the first film in 99. And then, obviously, they thought it was finished after the, the third film in 2003. So, and, and at that point, I believe the Wachowski siblings said, no, this, this is it. This is where, you know, this, uh, the Matrix story, this is where it ends. So, the fact that they both received this phone call from Lana saying, hey, I have this idea. The story's not over. Are you in? You know, both of them just jumped at the chance. And I think that it's fantastic that uh, both of them are prominently featured. Both of them are still doing most of their own stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about one scene in particular where they jump from a building together. Um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm really excited for this. You know, obviously there is chemistry between these two actors, seeing them interact with each other, both on screen and off. There is such love and admiration and respect between these two actors that really just translates on screen. You know, the love story between Neo and Trinity could have felt really forced Mm-hmm. because it just kind of happens you know what i mean like it's like oh i guess they're i guess they're in love now but it was in these little subtle nuances throughout the first film where you know if you're really looking you're like oh okay you know the way that they're looking at each other the way that um she's taking extra care with him the way that he speaks to her yeah there's a and, lot of i mean part of it is you know, it's like, oh, you were going to fall in love with the one. And so... But there have been five other ones before right, this guy. But far beyond, like, way beyond, like, th- there there are decades that pass in between. Because, again, every time the Matrix restarts, they think it's the year 1999, when, in fact, it is 200 years later. So if there have been five ones, figure it's... Every, well, he's the sixth. So say every 32 years, there's a new one. So she's never known anything prior to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I gotcha. So I would imagine that people, you know, I know you're going to say, well, not everyone's the same age in the Matrix. No, they're not. But... A lot of the people who are older tend to be programs. A lot of the people who are uh, are uh, still attached, they may have false memories implanted in them, making them remember a life that they did not live, if that makes any sense. It's like, oh, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm 100 years old in 1999. I remember 
this entire century. Well, maybe not the entire century, but you know what I mean. You know, I fought in World War Two, and you know all the, all this. You don't rem or or World War One, not World War Two, um, but those aren't your memories. They're memories, basically pieced together from other experiences that people had. You know, pieced together from the internet, from YouTube videos, from from you know all all this other shit you know, movies and things like that, those weren't your experiences because you've only been attached to this version of the Matrix for 25, 30 years. You know, you might be 70 years old, you might be 100 years old, but you've lived at that point three lives. You know, again, this is one of those things that's going to drive you nuts the more you think about it. Like, are there any people over 30 you know, Lar Lawrence Fishburne's clearly, you know, older than Neo, who is, o and everybody's certainly older than Mouse. You know, but everybody looks to be around the same age, right? Every character that they show seems to be around the same age until you get into Zion and you see the people that are older than that, which begs the question, how does that happen if everything gets destroyed and then you have to rebuild and if there have been five occurrences, you know, was one of the ones like a six-year-old? You know, how long has this gone on? So there are some flaws with the with the logic, but, you know, just, uh, I guess, something else to think about that I hadn't th uh, thought about at all until just now, and that's why I'm kind of rambling about it. And now my it. brain hurts. Uh, so before we wrap this up, I just want to say uh, Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity everything you she saw that opening scene you're like, I like everything yeah and then she did a couple more things and i was like yep i like her really like yeah, her she was really uh, good in this yeah yeah so if you see me around wearing a black pleather like shiny trench coat uh mind your business i'm living my best life yes seriously Doing, like flying crane kicks to people and wear sunglasses everywhere you um, already do this is true sun never sets on a badass this is a little bit of an aside, but a peek into the, 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 the world behind the curtain here. There have been times where we're getting ready to leave somewhere, and she's like, I can't find my sunglasses. And there are 14 fucking pairs of sunglasses that I can see. And I'm like, they're right here. No, not those. A different one. And then I'll see, oh, these? No, not those. She has like 40 different pairs of sunglasses, and none of them are ever the right one that she needs. To quote Olympia Dukakis in Steel Magnolias, the only thing that separates us from the um, animals is our ability to accessorize. Right. But she also probably said, well, these sunglasses will be fine. We're an hour late for where we need to go. So let's, let's just go. I think that's what she would say. I would rather arrive late and fashionable. The other ones are fashionable, too. Says you. Says me, and I know fashion. <laughs> yes. So, on that, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up, and uh, we'll let you know what's coming up next week, because next week's going to be a lot of fun. So, we'll be right back. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? 
Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? And it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor sample pack featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary.
And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know it was a little bit meandering, but a lot of the time we were discussing this, because we, as you may or may not know, we are not scripted, but, you know, a lot of our, our stuff, you know, we do have notes and things to go off of, but there's a lot of stream of consciousness. And with a film like The Matrix and given, like, everything that it's based on and all the stuff that it has involved with it, philosophy and, and choice and the, all these different paradoxes, uh, sometimes stream of consciousness stuff can really uh, stream your consciousness in weird ways. I think it's kind of brilliant, though, because the rewatch value on these films is so high. And it's not just because of, you know, the the quality plots or, like, the action set no, pieces. No, because I feel like every time you watch it, you're going to pick up on something different. Every time you watch it, depending on, you know, what mood you're in, well, what you, else you know, you've watched. Like you I know, said, maybe you, you might watch it with a different set of eyes and think different about it. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, when you rewatch it, you know, the second or third time and you see the conversations that people have with Neo, like... Wow, man, sounds to me like you just need to unplug or you think you're special that the rules don't apply to you. And it's like, that's exactly what the point of the fucking movie is. So, yes. Why, yes. Absolutely. He is special. So, you know, there's all these different things that, you know, you pick up on, you know, in a second or third rewatch. Um, and I've seen these movies probably a dozen times each. And it's one of those when you watch it, the first thing you want to do, you know, when you watch the first one, it's like, oh, I got to watch the other two. I'm kind of in the middle of that with uh, both John Wick and uh, the Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy, the the one with Andy Serkis. But we do hope you enjoyed that. And, you know, maybe, you know, you look at The Matrix in a different light, especially, you know, like I do now, considering the uh, Wachowski's transition. You know, you, if you take that into consideration and listen to some of the dialogue and, and you know, the underwriting, theme, the overriding themes that are... Uh, that are there, uh, that are present throughout the entire trilogy, uh, you know, of, of choice and predestiny and, and control. And, you know, maybe you look at it a little differently. Like you said, you look at it with different eyes. Cause I never, even watching it this time until you brought it up, like I hadn't put the connection together with the, the whole transition thing. And I think that oh, yeah, I, I viewed is it as... a really good uh, way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I, I viewed, you know, uh, what I, I mean, I don't know much about the Wachowskis to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't know if I've, I've seen anything else that they've written or directed. Uh, I do know that they made headlines because, you know, they both transitioned and that's something that, um, you know, the, the fact that they were in, you know, to be honest with you, the fact that they were able to do that together and the fact that they were able to be a support system for each other, I think is just fantastic because not everybody has that. Uh, but that's what I knew of them. And so, I mean, they did Sense8, the TV show, Jupiter Ascending, Cloud Atlas, Speed Racer, um, all the video games, Bound with uh, Jennifer Tilly. And that actually won, actually, no, it lost best kiss at the MTV music award movie awards to Will Smith and Vivica Fox in Independence Day but it was uh Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon Oh that movie Yeah Yeah um so they did that they wrote those um they also wrote for V for Vendetta 
So, uh, which made sense because if you, and I think they had a little bit of, little bit to do with the directing as well, because, um, the style was, you know, obviously having Hugo weaving, but the style of fights, Mm. uh, the, the camera work, um, and to kind of throw this out there, you know, they didn't transition until after the, uh, the the Matrix films came out, and after all these other films came out, they were in their forties. Like they were born in nineteen sixty five. You, know, it is never too late to find to, out who you are exactly and live your best authentic life. Uh, I actually have a college friend who just came out as trans, and they are in the process of transition transitioning, and I am so proud of her. I think she is fantastic, and I wish her nothing but the best. And she is. F- fierce and she has that happy glow about her that you know only comes from being your true authentic self and i love that yeah so again you know we talked about it with me finding my place in the world finally you know working in in the the film industry you know obviously that's a much different thing but it's finding yourself in your 40s but it's there's something to be said about uh it's it age schmage like who the fuck care it's age is a new it's a concept it's it's a you know it's a construct just like gender and gender roles it's just like the matrix a construct and we just need to blow it the fuck up so um but anyways, uh, before we digress even further, it is a battle week, and we have a new battle to throw down. Which means... We have to play the battle theme. It's time for a So today we are throwing down free your mind. All I can think about is in vogue. You know, free your mind. Uh, a telekinetic throwdown. Which mind melting character has the ability to best their opponent and be the last one standing? All powers and abilities applicable. Sandbox is downtown Angel Grove. The special guest referee, the amazing Jonathan. Who himself has performed some amazing... Do you see him bend a spoon? I've seen him bend a spoon. It's amazing the way he does it. Well, it's funny because they, 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 the amazing's no right spoon. in the name. There is no spoon. That's true. There is no spoon. Uh, you can choose from Neo from The Matrix... Tetsuo Shima from Akira, Eleven from Stranger Things, or Carrie White from Carrie. Yes. Not to be confused with Carrie Ann Moss or Carrie Fisher. So All quality Carries, though. Yes. Or, or, or Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Yep. I knew as soon as I said that, it, that's where both of us were going to go. Um, but yes, that is the, uh, the battle, Downtown Angel Grove. Uh, I can... Uh, assure you that as a parameter of this battle the power rangers will not interfere because why would they because they're probably off doing something at christy christy cream crispy cream 
Krispy Kreme. Oh, I'm not Ugh. even going to go there. Oh, Jesus. Um, that sounds like a porn star name. So do you happen to have any science facts that you want to drop on us today? I mean, it was more like science and philosophy facts, you know, that we kind of dropped during the middle of the, the okay. during the discussion. I, just, I didn't know if you had anything I wanted, specific. I mean, nothing, nothing specific. Um, although I will say the panoramic photos sent from the Mars rover recently were so amazing. And there was uh, something cool that came up. Um, there was a planet that is found in a habitable zone between two giant fucking suns. And the planet itself is twice the size of Jupiter. Uh, but it seems to be like it's in a place that a planet previously thought that a planet could not possibly exist. Like it's too big and where it is in relation to the two stars, like it should not exist, but it does. And we're going to get more uh, detailed pictures when we launch the, and I'm blanking on the name of the new telescope because we've seen the amazing stuff that the Hubble has brought back. But the Hubble is like, you know, 40 year, forty plus years old at this point. Um, so we're going to be getting a new, a new uh, more powerful telescope to map even further regions of the sky because we've with Hubble we've been able to see galaxies uh, 13 billion light years away that are a fair representation of the first galaxies like at the creation uh, of the universe so with this because we it's theorized that the universe is 13 billion years old and so if we're able to see these things and you and I actually had a discussion yesterday, like a random thing. Imagine you're an alien species 65 million years ago, and you're looking at the Earth, and you're or 65 million light years away, sorry. And you're looking at the Earth, and you're like, oh, my God, dinosaurs, those things are so fucking cool. And you make your way to Earth only to find out that all the dinosaurs died, and now it's just a bunch of psychotic apes wearing T-shirts. How disappointed would you be? That's like the biggest disappointment ever no dinosaurs so what about you so i'm getting a little tech savvy with my wine today uh on this segment of vaughn nightmare vineyards i want to talk about an app that was recently uh that i was recently introduced to called vivino it is v-i-v-i-n-o and it is a free app you can find in the, the App Store, Play Store, what have you, on your phone. And like I said, it's free. You can get honest wine ratings on any wine from our community of millions of wine drinkers. Shop the world's largest wine selection directly from your phone. Scan any bottle to learn all about the wine inside. Scan a restaurant wine list and choose your wine with confidence. And like I said, it is a free app. So um, somebody I work with actually introduced me to this. He is a, a, Dr. Berg, my boss. Uh, he is an avid wine drinker, and um, he knows that I like to partake of the vino. And we talk wine a lot, and uh, I enjoy... He, he, um, he likes to drink wines that... I sometimes cannot afford. Uh, 
Uh, but he also like he'll he'll drink more affordable wines too. And you know we we talk about things and what he recommends. And uh, his wife is an avid wine drinker as well. So uh, we we sometimes just chat about our uh, adventures and vino. But um, yeah, this was fantastic. So sometimes when you look at a bottle of wine, especially if you're looking to try something new. Uh, you know, for me personally, when I'm perusing the wine, sometimes it's based on budget. You know, how many shmonies can I spend on a bottle of wine today? Sometimes I can splurge a little bit if I've been working hard, but you know, sometimes I like to keep it within a within a a, a, a healthy range for my wallet. And uh, sometimes when you're looking at these bottles, there's, you know, fantastic labels. You can see exactly what the wine is. But then when you turn it around and you're looking at the back of the bottle, sometimes you get these very great stories about the the the, the vineyard itself or the winemakers or, you know, uh, if it's uh, if it's an imported wine, you know, the company that imported the wine to the U.S. or what have you. Sometimes you don't get much about the wine itself you know you don't get any information about the tasting notes or you know and and you'd like to think that oh if i'm looking at a merlot it's a merlot but but that's not always how it goes you know what i mean so you know sometimes with merlots you might have uh notes of more like like darker berries or sometimes you have uh, more of a vanilla finish depending on the type of barrel that it was fin you know aged in or uh you know there, there are different uh depending on the the varietal of grape and where it was grown and the crop you know uh, the, the the way that the crops were that season and the weather and there's a lot that goes into you know exactly what each bottle of wine tastes like so you know this app does a really good job of all you have to do is scan the label take a picture of the label it'll find the wine and it'll bring it up it'll give you an honest rating not one of those like uppity like oh this random person from this wine magazine that i never heard of gave it a five out of ten stars or something i don't i don't fucking know uh gave it you know four out of five grapes or something uh it gives you honest opinions from actual wine drinkers and will give you the actual tasting notes. So, you know, if you're looking for something that's more uh, fruit forward, if you're looking for something that is maybe a bit more smoky or that kind of has... Uh, leaves you with a little bit of a, of a smoother taste or if you're looking for something that's drier you're going to be able to find that because it's going to be in the tasting notes of the wine so uh, I think it's a fantastic app and the best part is that it's it's free you can create a free account and you know have at it so I've used it a little bit and uh, I plan on playing with it a little bit more but it's a it's a fantastic app it's called Vivino it's V-I-V-I-N-O and I I recommend it. And, you know, obviously when it comes to recommending wines, you want to listen to the mistress of Merlot, you know, clearly. Well, no, and, you know, and, and I, uh, I know what I like. I know what I'm looking for. Uh, but like I said, sometimes the back of a label just doesn't give you anything. You know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood for, for X, but you know, there, there are times X when I'm going to give it to you. 
<laughs> there are times that I'm looking for something that is uh, a little ha- a little peppery, like a little bit of spice, depending on what I'm eating, or you know, sometimes you're just looking for um, something that you just want to get hammered. I mean, there's that too, but uh, yeah, not, you're not but drinking no, wine if, to get hammered if, unless you're a Lannister. <laughs> Which I am. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, Vivino, it's a fantastic app, especially if you're looking for, you know, wine gift giving ideas throughout the holidays and stuff. You know, it's a great chance to kind of peruse different wines and look things up and find something that uh, maybe will please the palate of the person that you're buying for. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, next week, we, because it's going to be right before Christmas. Next week, we're going to be discussing uh, some, you know, in addition to, you know, the myth of Santa, but also, you know, Krampus and Yule Cat Cat and some of the other uh, very interesting uh, Christmassy Yule winter solstice uh, traditions and characters like uh, Wunterschlaus. Um, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be talking about Wunterschlaus. Um, and if you if you know that one, then you know why it's awesome. Um, but we'll be discussing a bunch of different uh, uh, folklorish characters that you know appear this time of year uh, from around the world. Some uh, really fun ones. Um, I'm gonna have to look into uh, the claim John Waters made on The Simpsons. That in Japan, Santa is known as annual gift man and lives on the moon. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious about that. Why would John Waters lie to a person? I, I don't think he's lying. I just don't know if that's like he was reading a script or if that's like an actual thing. Like a guy, Again, like we talked about last week with uh, Jack Skellington, where he says to a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mr. Unlucky. I thought that was like a regional thing like Mothman or the Jersey Devil. You know, I didn't know that that's not a thing. So I'm curious to to look up and learn about some of this and to pass on some of this knowledge to you folks, because I find this type of thing fascinating. I grew up reading books about Norse mythology and Egyptian mythology and Greek and Roman mythology. And I always found it interesting that that's all those religions are mythology. But Jebus is a fact and then our next episode, so not, not not next week, but the following week on December 30th, we are going live for Throwdown Thursday Live, our year-end finale. So we're going to be talking about our top characters from this past year, and we hope that you will also share your top characters from this past year as well. Maybe we can uh, get some special guests to join us, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be a good time. Then the following week so starting the new year off right we're going to be talking about i don't even know the character's name because i've never really seen any of this stuff but cobra kai we're going to be talking about daniel larusso and johnny lawrence okay those two people and of course we'll be throwing It'll be another some, first time watch cuz i've Miyagi. never seen the Ke- karate kid Keanu kid the Keati kid Keati 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 Mundi that's a different guy he's star wars um maybe 
You know, I have some I have some stuff that we were going to try and raffle off at conventions that we never did. Maybe we uh, do Ooh, some do a live... live show giveaway. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Maybe throw out some some trivia stuff because I have I have some really cool things. I mean, I get yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do some chatting off air. Maybe we'll put together a couple of Throwdown Thursday bundles. Yeah, and... that you could win only. If, if you, you participate in, in the, live. the live show, yeah. So, oh, yeah, this is going to be some fun. Oh, yeah, we have we have those things. Yeah, we have. Oh, that. oh, yes, we, we have, have those. Thing. We have that thing, and we have and those we other have things. The other thing <gasps> there. Oh, yeah. Oh, sh. Shit, you guys are not gonna want to miss this. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know about a week beforehand what the prizes are. So tune in next week, and we'll let you know what some of the prizes are. And of course, we'll have mystery prizes as well. But uh, I think, with that being said, we, we will see you, see you next, next Thursday. Thursday.